Oh, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, today I wanted to talk to you about what love really is. Love seems to be such a confusing subject, doesn't it? For we say, well, I, I love my mom, my dad, I, I, I love my wife, my husband, I love my car, I love my dog, I love my job, I, I love the classes that I'm taking. What really is love? Well, our Lord and Savior, he comes and he lets us know exactly what love is, doesn't he? By his actions in this world. In fact, we come to find that love really is a strong and masculine thing. For love means having spikes driven through your hands and your feet in order to save the one that you love. In fact, we find that love means doing hard things at times, doesn't it? Our Lord and Savior, he didn't just come with Hallmark cards, passing them out, telling people to have a nice day. And certainly, yes, he spent time with the little children and he held the little children upon his knee. Yes, he, he had that soft spot as well. But how much more often, because of love, did he rebuke and correct and instruct in righteousness? Yes, the, the fact of the matter is, as we see Jesus going about his ministry, often he is speaking to people and he is saying words such as, scribes, Pharisees, you hypocrites. You make sure the outside of the cup is perfectly clean while the inside is full of dead men's bones. We can kind of imagine such a thing with Thanksgiving having come to pass and many of, of you ladies being tasked with the cleanup duty in the kitchen, right? Thanksgiving is done and now we have just kind of the, the yucky turkey parts left, right? And you can well imagine Jesus saying something like, you know, you made sure that every dish in your cupboard is clean, but look at the same. full of leftover thanksgiving pieces. You see, dear friends, true love actually will follow that word of God. And that word of God is for the purpose of rebuking, the purpose of correcting, the purpose of instructing in Righteousness. It goes against the flow of our society today, though, doesn't it? Where 
our children go to the public schools perhaps or they watch on, on the, the television here, yes, even on the radio, that if you love someone, you just kind of accept them, right? And if you love someone, you just kind of go with the flow of things. And if you love someone, you certainly wouldn't self-righteously point out their error, their sin. And yet, dear friends, that is exactly what Jesus is telling us in the many texts that we have because the ultimate goal that people of the world leave out is that we want to make it to heaven someday. Right? And as Christians, you know, we accept that as a fundamental truth. We want to be in heaven someday. We want to make it there. And now we take a step back and then we say, well, what does it take for me to get to heaven? It takes a changed life, doesn't it? You see, Jesus doesn't simply say, just do whatever you want and you're going to make it. And in fact, just this morning, I was reading through Malachi and it would be 2.17. So Malachi 2.17, you can look it up later on. It says that the Lord despises those who go around and say, everything is okay. Go ahead and do evil. Jesus loves you anyway. Keep on doing whatever pleases you. You will make it. Malachi 2.17 says God despises that person that speaks those words. Because the, the fact of the matter is throughout the New Testament we are given signs to demonstrate to us people who are not going to make it into heaven. Time and time again it says do not be deceived. The murderer isn't going to be there. The thief isn't going to be there. The adulterer isn't going to be there. Who is going to be there? The ones who have changed. The ones who have overcome. The ones that because of their faith in Jesus Christ now lead a different life. Be not deceived. This person, this person, this person, they're not going to be there. But, as Paul says, such were some of you. Such were. Such were some of you, but you were washed, you were cleansed, you were changed. Things are different now. Things are better because of your faith in Jesus Christ. You see, that really is the main point. That's the main part. That you and I, because of our love for other people, would actually see them in their sin and we would, out of love, rebuke them, correct them, 
Provide them with instruction in righteousness. And the bottom line reason we would do that is because we want to see them in heaven. The problem today is so many people, they don't really believe that word of God is true, do they? A lot of people out there, they they just think, you know, we can just kind of pick and choose. Or a lot of people out there, they, they just kind of think, you know, I can just kind of make up my own religion. And in my personal religion, yeah, you know, Jesus, he held the little children. Wasn't that sweet? I know certainly Jesus, he he died on the cross. I like that part too, right? So my sin could be forgiven. And and then I don't even have to change though because I can just kind of keep on sinning and that forgiveness just kind of keeps on flowing and I don't really have to be different ever. And I go to church twice a year, right? Christmas and Easter, And maybe I can hear some nice sermon, I hope, about the love of Jesus and how everything is okay. We certainly don't want the pastor talking about Malachi 2.17, though. That would spoil my day. Don't like that. But we just kind of pick and choose and we put it together and we just all can get along. And that's the message we get from the world, isn't it? If we all can just get along, then somehow that love of Jesus is functioning just fine. I hear what I want to hear. I don't have to worry about making it. And dear friends, again, the reality of the situation is the Bible tells us that if we continue in certain behaviors, we're not going to be there. And therefore, if I really love that other person and I see them engaging in those certain behaviors and I do nothing, I'm not really showing love, am I? Because if the word of God is true, and yeah, we believe it is, and the word of God says, for example, the thief will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, and then I know from you know, gossip in my family or from personal observation that, that cousin Benny just stole something, and he's proud of it, and, and he's bragging to you know other members in the family that he stole this thing and he got away with it. And I do nothing. What does that mean? It means that cousin Benny is gonna go to hell when he dies, and I really don't care, do I? Because if I really did care, I would rebuke him, I would correct him, I would instruct him in righteousness. But again, our world today, I understand, they don't want to hear that message, do they? 
Our world today, they, they want to say, oh, you know, Cousin Benny, he was underprivileged, and you just kind of have to understand it. he's been having trouble holding a job. And, and, you know, Christmas was coming, and his kids really needed some, some presents, and so, you know, he, he stole that thing. And, yeah, it was kind of a big thing, but, you know, he, he used it to, to sell, to get money to buy Christmas presents for his kids. So don't judge him. And furthermore, sometimes within our families, we actually have you know, people claiming that they're being loving, coming to us then and saying, you better shut up about that because we want to enjoy our Thanksgiving dinner. See? Do not bring up the fact at Thanksgiving dinner that Cousin Benny stole that thing. Do not do it. Because we want to get along and have peace. And see, that's exactly what the difference is between the love of the world and the love of Christ. The love of Christ desires that everyone would be saved. That everyone could be forgiven. That everyone would be able to enter heaven. But we can't do it without that life-changing relationship. You see, the Christian faith, it's not just words. It's not just that I spoke some words and then you spoke some words and we all speak words together. But rather, as we consider once again the thief upon the cross, There were two thieves crucified beside our Savior. One remained the same. And one had his life changed. One of the thieves continued to mock Jesus. He continued to say, hey, if you're so great, just save us. Just bring us down from here. The other thief admitted his sin. But really, that's the first part of a changed life, isn't it? That you admit the path you're on is the wrong one. That you admit that you are a sinner. You're doing it in the wrong way. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The only real thing that man is able to do is to rebuke his friend, isn't he? You see, the Lord didn't bring him down from the cross and give him 30 years of ministry out in the field. He, he didn't have great opportunities to make changes in his life. The only one single thing he had left was to be able to turn to his friend and say, you and I deserve what's happening, but as for this man, he has done nothing wrong. Leave him alone. Right? You see, that man's heart changed, and that man's life changed. Perhaps it was only for, for 10 or 15 minutes as he hung there at the end that he was different. But his words 
the, the rebuke of his friend that indicates to us he had changed. He had gone from that place where he was a murderer, a, a thief, and an adulterer perhaps, to the place where we could say such were some of you. The Apostle Paul could have been there, present at that particular point. He could have been looking at that thief in the eye, and he could have said, I see right now that you used to be that way. But you've been washed. You've been cleansed. You've been changed. And dear friends, that is exactly what the love of God would ask of us. And so we ask that question again. Do you really believe the word of God is true? And hopefully we raise our hand and we say, yeah. As we study that word of God, do we understand not everyone is going to make it into heaven? Do I understand that? Can we, can we raise our hand and say, yeah? In fact, you know, Jesus actually says, the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. There will be few who find it. Whereas uh, the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to hell, and many will follow that path. Many and few. That puts it a, a little bit more into perspective, doesn't it? Do, do we really believe, though, that, you know, 60% of people are going to be lost and only 40% will be saved. In, in fact, the analogy of the Bible makes it look more like 80% of people are going to be lost and maybe only 20% will be saved. Now, it's certainly not God's fault because God has said he desires for everyone to be saved. He wants everyone to come in. But yet he tells us the truth, doesn't he? It's going to be hard. There's only going to be a few that make it. Now, if we really believe that, if we really understand that to be true, will we not then try harder? Will we not then go out and in love rebuke? and correct, and instruct in righteousness. Will we not do it? And now finally, as I conclude my sermon for today, the Bible also does warn us that when you, you go into those kinds of situations, when you have seen someone living in sin, when it within your heart is kindled the desire that you would try to, to correct them, that you would try to give them instruction, right? Jesus himself tells us to be extra careful lest your own garment be soiled as you're trying to help that person. 
You see, there, there is that, that very real possibility that the Bible you know, gives us that little warning about when it says, do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. Be sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning. And so we, we kind of imagine in our mind's eye that you know, each of us in our baptism were given a white wedding garment. It kind of represents our purity in Christ. And it represents that, that concept that Jesus is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. Now you imagine you know, some, some young person right in, in the full vibrancy of health on their way to church on their wedding day. And you know, imagine, especially, you know, the, the bride often dressed in a beautiful white garment. And there she is on the way to the church. And, you know, she sees someone broken down on the side of the road. They need, you know, an elderly person, perhaps. They need help changing a tire. And, I, you know, it seems maybe inconceivable, but, you know, just imagine she's by herself driving in her beautiful white dress. She sees this person broken down on the side of the road. She wants to help. But now would be the caution, right, to be exceedingly careful lest you soil your own garment. And so we can imagine, okay, she has decided she's going to help, but she's being, right, exceedingly careful helping that elderly person change their tire. Because she doesn't want to arrive at the church with a soiled wedding dress. And dear friends, that too is what we are called to do. That we would love so much that we're willing to risk it, yes. I'm willing to risk getting some dirt on my wedding clothes because I want to help that person, but I love them so much. I'll take the chance. And then we use extra care, you see. We're being very careful in that situation, lest we too would fall into sin. But the love, that would be the guiding force. Do we love that much? You see, Jesus, our Savior, He loved us so much that He was never afraid to rebuke to correct, to instruct. And because of that rebuking, correcting instruction, we crucified him. We didn't want to hear it. We liked that message that everything was okay and God is love and we're just going to make it and it will be fine. We didn't like that message where he said, you know, you hypocrite. You have this outward appearance of well-doing, but inside, in your hearts, in the privacy of your home, it's full of filth and junk. 
They didn't want to hear that message. But Jesus, our Savior, he loved us so much, he told us the truth. And he loved us so much that he was even willing to go to the cross to be despised, to be ridiculed for our salvation. You see, dear friends, that is real love. Now, can we do it? It's hard. But can we do it? It's miserable at times. Can we do it? It takes courage, doesn't it? Can we do it? We can. Because Christ first loved us that much. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.